Hotel for Kids is proud to present the EdSpark podcast with Dr. Karen Garza. Hotel for Kids is a national not-for-profit organization with the mission of realizing the power and promise of 21st century learning for every student. Well, hello, Mike. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Um, This may be a very unusual circumstance, but I think it's a real pleasure uh, to have the opportunity to introduce the person that will succeed me as the president and CEO of Hotel for Kids. So I have been visiting with my board for some time about my retirement and I'm very grateful to the board for allowing us this kind of a, a you know, a little bit extended uh, transition time to make sure that we're taking care of the organization and our clients. But I am just delighted uh, that Mike will be taking uh, Battelle for Kids, an organization that I have such deep um, care and regard for, uh, will be taking Battelle for Kids and running with it. And so it just, I'm very excited because I've known Mike for uh, probably about 10 years and I have such uh, strong admiration and respect for his leadership and the person that he is. So, Mike, welcome. Oh, thanks, Karen. Thank, Listen, you, let's, for, uh, thank you for this just, opportunity. Yeah. So let's uh, just get us started. Why don't you tell a little bit about your your background and kind of uh, give people some perspective around some of your experiences that you've had? Oh, great. Thank you for the opportunity. I uh, started my career actually working at Delta Airlines after having an undergraduate degree in business and pre-law. And I was one of those folks that graduated back in the early 90s when during the first Bush recession. And so I came out of undergraduate and uh, went as a part-time temporary worker for Delta Airlines because I live a little south of Atlanta. And so Delta, of course, uh, has a big presence here in Atlanta and just such a great company. And so I started there working part-time during the recession and on my days off, I started doing some student teaching, uh, not, not student teaching, I started doing some substitute teaching. And uh, during that time, uh, I had principals that came to me and said, hey, have you thought about being in education? You're really good with the kids. And I'd never really thought about it. My wife was an educator, but it didn't really occur to me. And so after about six months of subbing, almost on every day off and getting calls all the time to come and sub, I uh, said, well, may, maybe this is something I really ought to consider. And so I went, went back to Georgia State University and got a teaching certificate and started teaching middle grade social studies and science uh, in the middle of the year. And it was a wonderful experience. I, I had this amazing principal. We were a National Blue Ribbon School and we we're doing a lot of really innovative instructional things around integrated thematic instruction and just really a school that I, I think was well ahead of its time. So I spent three years teaching and then all of a sudden they said, hey, would you be interested in being an administrator? And I said, well, never really thought about that, but I'm sure. And so went and got a master's degree at the University of Georgia and became assistant principal at a a middle school for a year. And then I was recruited to a large urban district next door. And uh, they were they were trying to strengthen their principal pipeline. So they're recruiting a lot of young assistant principals. And so they brought me over. And two years later, I was able to take over the largest high school in a very large urban district of about 65,000 students. And so stayed there for three years as high school principal. And it was just an amazing experience. I I followed an amazing principal that had done such a great job of recruiting a really highly effective staff, which gave a very young principal an opportunity to learn the job with a lot of wonderful teacher leaders and mentors around them. And uh, then uh, just uh, a a few years later, a superintendency south of Atlanta came open and uh, my 
assistant, administrative assistant at the time, came and put the put the uh, the the posting on my desk and said, "I think you should apply for this." And I said, "Are, are you kidding me?" She goes, "No, you don't have anything to do over winter break. You should you should put in for this." And so went home and talked to my wife about it. And uh, I just finished my doctorate degree at University of Georgia, so I said, "Well, maybe this is a good time just to see what the superintendent interviews look like." <laughs> and so I put in for it, and uh, and then I, and then uh, I got the job, and I spent the next eighteen years as superintendent of the Pike County Public Schools, a district of about thirty five hundred students, about thirty minutes south of Atlanta, just this beautiful small town community with wonderful people. And, and when I say this in the most in, in the most wonderful terms, when you when you think Mayberry, um, very much like Mayberry, yeah, everyone knows each other, just a wonderful idyllic community. And uh, it was just an amazing experience to be able to serve that community for 18 years. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you. 18 years in the superintendency. Um, that's just unheard of. So congratulations to you. Um, and, and what I find so amazing about that with your tenure is you led some really innovative uh, work and you weren't just status quo superintendent. You were really, really leading the way. And I know that because that's when I first got to know you. I was leading portrait of graduate work in my own district in Fairfax County and you were leading it in Pike County. I really always would watch you and just learn so much from you uh, back, back in that, at that time. So how did you get engaged in portrait of graduate work and kind of what inspired you to get to lead that work in your, in your district? Well, I, I came to the superintendency actually under some, some really strange circumstances, Karen, uh, when, when the superintendency came open uh, because the former superintendent had actually been arrested, which was really kind of an interesting situation. Yeah. And so I, I came into a school district that was reeling a little and wanted some strong leadership and wanted the superintendent and the board uh, to really work together. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I, I came into a place where they were really looking for for stability, and they wanted to build trust. And so we spent the first six years of my administration working on doing all the things that we do, breaking down silos, creating alignment and coherence, uh, helping students be very successful in the state standardized assessment. And, and so it won, over the first six years, we had done some really cool things. And we'd taken the graduation rate from 68% to 88% in the first five years, and uh, then moved that up to 96%. And and in our state accountability right. system, we, we, we went from being a district where no one really knew even where we were at to being one of the top 15 in the state because we had just really amazing teachers and amazing leaders. It was an amazing community and the teachers were very thirsty to be successful. And so we did all of those things. And so the year that the state accountability scores came out and we had beat some of our very large affluent neighbors. Uh, there was this moment that I was expecting the community to show up at the central office with the gilded chariot and put me on top of it and let me do laps around the courthouse, you know, and just celebrate how awesome we were. And, yeah. and interestingly, um, nobody said a peep. Um, the newspaper wasn't really interested. Parents weren't really interested. And, and honestly, the, the school board was like, oh, that's great. And, and so we, we sat back and we thought, well, what's happening here? Like we we have, we've done our job, quote unquote, and and kids are performing at levels they've never performed. But no one seems to be real interested in that. And so what we what we're able to determine is that 
um, this very savvy community had realized that, that those standardized test scores didn't really mean much. You know, they were one score at one moment in one place in time. And uh, the, the content of the test, you know, were, were, were somewhat questionable early on. And, and so they just didn't buy into it. But what they wanted was a school district that loved their kids, that treated them with dignity and respect and cared about them and, and, and let them be who they were. And so that, that was what they really focused on. And so right about that time where we were trying to unpack what is it that people really want for their hope, hopes and dreams for their kids after they spent 13 years with us, uh, we had this German foreign exchange student that was visiting our community. And I know you've heard this story before, but I, I think it's worth I, telling again. I love this story. So yeah. I'm so glad you're going to tell it. Yeah. And so we were, uh, I was just sitting in my office one, one after, it was actually one morning and it was actually our county manager who was hosting a, a foreign exchange student from Germany. And uh, he was a wonderful leader and a wonderful friend in the community. And so he, he texted me and said, hey, Mike, could I bring Magdalena by? She just wants to say thank you for letting her spend a year in the school district. And I, you know, I'd spoke to Magdalena when she came in. I think I saw her at homecoming, you know, but didn't really have a ton of interaction. But they were just a really kind family. So he came by so I could see her. And it was such an amazing opportunity. She sat down and you know, I asked her how things were going and what did she really enjoy? And uh, she really loved homecoming and prom. <laughs> that was like what she wanted to talk about. Uh, but then I asked her, what was the difference between being a high school student in Germany and a high school student in the U.S. or in Pike County? And so she started talking and and it was and I just stopped her and, and I said, Magdalena, I know this sounds really creepy, but could I videotape what you're saying? And I promise you'll never see it again you'll never see yourself. And uh, so she, of course, acquiesced and said, sure. And so with my cell phone, I just held it up and I just videotaped what she said. And Karen, for the next 23 minute and 23 seconds, basically what she said is, is uh, the difference is in Germany, you have to solve problems. The teacher teaches you content. And then on the test, you have to apply the content to solve real problems. But in the US, all the answers are given to you. And all you have to do is remember, and then you forget, so you never really learn. And it was magic. And that minute and 23 second video, I, and I really, this is not hyperbole when I say this, that minute 23 second video really changed my life because that young lady from Germany immediately gave my career focus and purpose. And I had to make a decision Am I going to delete this? <laughs> because it was a pretty scathing, a pretty scathing analysis, which we all knew was true. Uh, or was I going to show everyone? And uh, and I sat on that video for a couple of days and, and I, I prayed about it and I showed the video to a few of my team members and I, and I asked them what they thought. And, and it was a little cringeworthy. And so we decided, you know what? We have done all that we know that we can do to have to create an environment where students are highly successful in the compliance game. This may be our opportunity to do something radically different. And so we showed everyone the video. And so at that point, we were really moving and, we, and the words weren't there yet about the portrait graduate, but we knew it had to be something different. And just as, as life just somehow happens, we were learning about the Ed Leader 21 network at the same time these test scores were coming back at the same time this German foreign exchange student was telling us that we really weren't 
we weren't doing anything that was meaningful. And so all these things came together. And, and I said, you know what, we, we need to investigate this Ed Leader 21 network. We need to investigate this 21st century learning because what we're now doing isn't being really valued in the community. And so that's how our journey began. And so after that, we started a 20-month community engagement plan process where we talked to practically every person in the community. We held focus groups. We did surveys. We did one-on-one interviews. We talked to everybody who would talk to us. And out of that came our portrait of a graduate. And uh, it was critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, communication, and personal responsibility. That was something that was very important to our community. And so that, that set us on a trajectory that we would work on for the next 10 years. Yeah, I just love it from the voice of a student, right? Which you and I both feel strongly that, you know, their voice should be center in a lot of this work. So that's a, such a wonderful story. And thanks for sharing it, Mike. Um, you brought up the fact that you've been involved with Ed Leader 21 and Batel for Kids for some time. And it's interesting because our backgrounds are a little similar in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Prior to becoming the present CEO of Batel for Kids, I was a client um, and with both organizations. So Batel for Kids and Ed Leader both played a really important role in my in my career as a superintendent in three different districts. I, you know, when I had a daunting challenge or something I really needed a trusted advisor and friend, I'd always call Patel for Kids for like over 11, 12 years. And then I became familiar with Ed Leader 21. And those, you know, those two organizations were always, um, right. you know, I just, I just cared you know, just saw them as trusted advisors and friends and people that really did quality work and really helped begin to shape the, the work I was leading in my own district. So that's a little similar for you, too, Absolutely. because you've been involved with both organizations, which is so wonderful. And now you're going to lead, lead it. So tell, a little, tell us a little bit about um, your association with the Tougher Kids and Ed Leader um, and tell a little bit about the impact of that relationship with those both organizations, which, which as, as you all know, is, is one in the same now. Yeah. I, I would say Karen, that the relationship that I've had with BFK and the network itself w- was probably the greatest lever that changed my career and my trajectory as a superintendent, as I mentioned earlier. And it, it has, provided me with moments of restoration, inspiration, engagement. And I I think one of the things that I'm so excited about in accepting this role is we never missed an annual event. We never missed a fly-in. We never missed a superintendent summit. We never missed a superintendent roundtable because the relationships that I was forming with the team at BFK and the relationship that I was forming with so many other superintendents in the network were so meaningful to me and they were so powerful in my life and so influential uh, that I couldn't get enough of it. And, and my team would just know uh, how giddy I would start to get as we started to get toward the annual event and we were going to get to see everyone. And, you know, this work is hard and sometimes it feels very lonely and to, to have friends all over the country to have great friends in Iowa and Ohio and California and Pennsylvania that you can call and say, Hey, have you ever encountered this? Or, Hey, what are you guys doing about this? 
And and I have enjoyed wonderful relationships with the superintendents in Georgia, just incredibly supportive and kind and great leaders. The however is as I move into this this larger network, being able to talk real specifically about 21st century redesign transformation and the impacts on students and instructional design, um, that was feeding me every day, every month. And and I, I just look back and I just I, we could not have done it by ourselves. And just the the friendships and the relationships of the people on the BFK team and now being able to, to be a part of that team is, is really just a dream come true. I, I really feel like I've won the lottery. <laughs> yeah, the, te- the team at Battelle for Kids is just phenomenal. And, you know, one of one of uh, our executive members of our executive cabinet, I think, put it so well, said some of the best people you'll ever meet work at Battelle for Kids. You know, they're so passionate and dedicated and smart. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of very, very intelligent and forward thinking um, people. I will tell you, I was the same way when I, you know, as a superintendent, you have a lot of competing uh, demands upon your time, you know, a lot of organizations that want your time and attention. And after I got familiar with Ed Leader 21 and Batuffer Kids and just that group of innovative leaders that were associated with it all across the country, I said, okay, this is, this is, I'm going to prioritize this group. I never missed an annual event. I took as many people as I could. I think for a number of years, I had the largest group there. I think many districts are beating me now, but, um, you know, it's just something about being in relation with these other districts that are leading a similar journey. It's not exactly the same, but there's something powerful. I call it the convening of true believers because, you know, everyone's focused on portrait of a graduate, really leading this 21st century deeper learning kind of work, maybe doing it a little differently here and there, but there's something about having that common purpose um, that is just powerful and And I think that that's one of the things that's been really beautiful about the network and BFK is that uh, there is not a recipe. They accept you where you are and come alongside and partner with you. And, and that, that has been incredibly meaningful because as I was, we started working on our capstone work, aligning our capstones, our transitional grade capstones to our portrait graduate. What was so important to me is that we were co-creating and co-constructing that with BFK. And that was such an amazing experience because we were we were getting high level of technical assistance, but we were also at the table co-creating and, and co-designing what that was going to look like using our language, our frameworks, embedding that in a way that was meaningful for us. So our, our teachers and staff didn't think that this was something else, but this was truly integrated into our work. And so that that's one of the things that I've been just so appreciative as a client over the years is BFK comes in and, and partners and walks alongside you. There's not a recipe. There's not an overlay. And, and that's just a that's really powerful in co-creating and co-designing the work with someone instead of hiring someone to come in and do something for you. And, and it's just a completely different feeling than almost any other relationship that we had. And, and actually that's the work I think, you know, you know that we enjoy the very, very most, right. Is being able to innovate. And sometimes you, you uh, just don't have the bandwidth or the manpower internally to do the research that's required, you know, or the background work that's required sometimes to lead that. So that, yeah, that's, that's uh, I think exciting to be able to 
be a part of that. So you're about to assume the role of president and CEO um, in the next, you know, very short amount of time, just a, a short time away. Um, so what excites you most about this opportunity, Mike? Ooh, um, <laughs> Do you yeah. think we have time to cover this? I don't know. Yeah, I, I know yeah, you're pretty excited about it. Yes, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think what excites me most is that, Karen, you and the team at BFK have become the thought leaders around this work in the country. And so that that's a that is really exciting. It's also very big shoes to fill. It's uh it's exciting. It's intimidating. It's a little scary, and but it's thrilling to know that I'm joining an organization that partners with districts all over this country that is thinking about how to deepen the portrait to practice in their schools and operationalize that for every kid every day. And, and to be able to see the outcomes that come with it. And it's, it's just, it's real, and you know, it's scary in a lot of ways, but it's thrilling because this organization is, is the voice of this movement. And, and I can't wait to begin to create those partnerships with, with more and more districts and grow this movement so we can continue to move forward. It's just really an exciting time. I, I think I read somewhere recently that there's 16 states that now have portraits. There's 29 other states that have competency-based policies that they have codified. So there is such a rich opportunity to take this movement to scale and do something incredibly powerful that people will look back on 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now and say, wow. Those people did something really special, and and to be able to be a small part of that is thrilling. And one of the things that that I've heard from the superintendents that are a part of the network and, and BFK partners is that they want us to squarely step into that space of thinking about what's next and how do we continue to evolve the work, deepen the work, and continue to have greater and greater impact. And so that is just an amazing challenge that I, I can't wait to accept and, and get running. I love the way you, how you described it as a movement, because I, I do think it is a movement. And yeah, I think as more and more um, school districts get inspired to lead this work, you do create conditions where people start to take notice, either the business community or the policy uh, community, you know, uh, legislators begin to pay attention. So I, I, we've seen time and time again, in varied states across the country that, you know, people are starting to take notice. And I think people are looking for something different for our public schools today. I think you and I both agree we're at a kind of a inflection point, if you will. Um, so I want to ask you kind of a, a broader question around kind of what do you think are, um, you know, about the current challenges, you know, kind of the future of education, what's the current challenges, what do you think's ahead for K-12 education? How do you think we need to, what do you think we need to focus on to position public schools um, on, you know, position on strong footing into the future? Well, I, I think right now there's this, there's this gentle tension between hanging on to the standardized accountability and moving to more locally developed accountability systems. And there, there is just that tension that's occurring at every state. And a lot of districts that are deep in their portrait graduate implementation, they're already starting to see what 
Karen, you and I knew five or six years ago that if you focus, if you focus on these portrait graduate competencies, you embed that portrait with curriculum alignment that has large conceptual understandings and you create a learning environment where students are to, are to make connections between those concepts and create products and performances that have value beyond school, that those test scores will take care of themselves. Yes, they will. And, and our legislators are starting to hear that. And, and so I believe that there is this great opportunity to be at the table to think about what the future policy looks like and to, and to really emboldening and giving back to the idea of local control and trusting our communities. Because the beauty of the Portrait of a Graduate is that we are co-designing, co-constructing, co-creating with our community. And so we are locally controlled public schools whose accountability system in so many ways are being being developed by the local community. And in a time where our world is so divisive and so polarized, I think the one thing that we can all do is come together in peace and harmony. And I really mean that around the outcomes that we want for our children. And when we start talking about the outcomes that we want for our children, we are, no matter where you find yourself on the political spectrum, we are so much more alike than we are different. And there may be some small disagreements about how we get there, but our communities want students that can think critically and creatively and can communicate and collaborate and have empathy and resilience. Everyone wants that for their own child. They all want that in their employees. And so I believe that history will judge us as the, the movement that brought this country back together over something we could all agree on and in agreeing on what we want for our children. Because what every time we turn on the, the internet or the TV or open up a journal, we're, we're always hearing issues around economic prosperity and upward mobility. And so this these equitable outcomes through our portrait that design deeper and more meaningful learning experiences that give students an opportunity to be able to go into college and career or military or the workforce and to be successful because they have those skills that's going to allow them to be that lifelong learner. And it's always been interesting to me because we've had lifelong learning in strategic plans and mission statements since probably the 80s, at least as far back as my career goes, I remember. But then when, when you think about students becoming lifelong learners, and then you think about how much ownership, agency, autonomy, and self-direction students actually have inside the school buildings, it, it's not very much. And so I think there, there is this movement um, that's going to be necessary that we continue to move toward creating more student-centered learning environments where students have more agency and autonomy, of course, with guardrails. And, and one of the, some of the work that we, we did in my former district in Pike County that I'm so proud that the team developed a portrait of an educator, which is also something that BFK has been working hard on and partnering with a lot of districts. And that portrait of an educator has been really powerful in redefining what it means to be an educator in the 21st century. And so not being, as we all know, the sage on the stage, but being a guide, being a designer, being a curator, uh, those are those are how we define what it means to be a teacher in Pike County Public Schools. And that's really powerful mind shifts. And so when we think about agency and autonomy and we think about all of the requisite skills that come along with that, 
now we are creating lifelong learners, but it's, right. but the juxtaposition between lifelong learning and lack of autonomy and voice that young people have had in schools for, for decades, that, that juxtaposition is really stark when you think about it in those terms. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it's it, also the science of learning. We've learned so much about how, how human beings best learn. And this work, as you just illustrated, lines up so nicely with what is really needed um, for our students to, to learn and be able to transfer that learning to new and novel situations. Um, I also want to comment around how you described how important it is to bring the community together. Um, I think that is a real differentiator and something that I hear from school leaders, school district leaders all across the country is, you know, I know I've got to engage my community in a whole different way, in a whole new and in different way. Uh, it's not the old, you know, how we thought, thought of community engagement in the past, but how do we really meaningfully make our, you know, develop this full uh, ecosystem around around the school, you know? And I, I think that's what we're seeing that's so exciting around the portrait of a graduate and so needed today because we are at odds, you know? And I always, my, my team laughs at me because I always say it's hard to hate up close. <laughs> you know, bring people in, you know, and get to know one another and be in community with one another. Um, and we're seeing such power from the portrait of a graduate because it's locally developed, but globally uh, positioned. And I think that's, that's a real power that's right. from it. So as a part of the portrait of a graduate process in conversation with the community, there's a key question that's kind of center uh, centers that work. And that is, you know, what are the hopes, dreams, and aspirations that this community has for its young people in light of how the world is changing? So that question really resonates with communities. So I'm going to ask you the same question <laughs> about about Patel for Kids, and, and that is, what are your hopes, dreams, and aspirations for Patel for Kids? Yeah, that, that's, a, <laughs> um, that's a really hard one. I love uh, turning the table on you, Mike. This is I know, that's, that's a really hard one. And um, it, it, it is such a beautiful question. And, you know, if, if I would say, you know, what my hopes and dreams are for BFK is, is that I, I want BFK to continue to be the voice for districts all around this country that want to continue the work of redesigning and rethinking what public education can be in the United States. And, and I know something that you have said, and I've heard you say it, is best in class. And I, I've heard you say that a lot. And of course, I, I think anyone watching this call that has had any partnership, level of partnership with BFK knows that definitely BFK is definitely best in class. Um, but we also have to recognize that there, there's a lot of other work that's going on around the country. And there's, there's a lot of wonderful things that are going on. And, and, and I see a role for BFK to be a convener of many of these other um, great work that's happening around the country. I, I see us being a unifying force in, in helping create a, a cogent and, and collective process for how we think about portrait construction to operationalizing, to fostering and measuring those competencies and, and building wonderful strategic partnerships around this country that can continue to help grow this network and support superintendents uh, in every corner of this nation. And, uh, and I know because of the foundation and the leadership that you have put in BFK over the last many years and the team that's there, that, that we, are, we are well positioned to grow this movement in a way that lawmakers, policymakers, 
can't ignore. And, and I definitely know that the work we're doing is on their radar screen. And there's a lot of great work that's happening right now behind the scenes on Capitol Hill. And there's a lot of conversations about what reauthorization might look like, what the innovative assessment demonstration program may, may evolve into. And so we're going to have a voice at that table. And that voice through us will be the culmination of all those many voices of districts all around this country that are part of our network and a part of the work that we help them with. And so being able to take their voice in spaces that they don't have the opportunity or the time to get to, uh, that's what I'm really excited about because we know within this network and inside all of the people that work with BFK, these superintendents, these districts are doing amazing things. And as much as they learn from us, we learn from them. And so, and I think that's one of the great beauties as an organization is that we come into a space and, and we can help design and facilitate and help you. Um, but we don't always position ourselves as the expert. We're, we're learning from districts as much as districts are learning from our collective experience. And so it's just this really beautiful relationship. And so I, I'm, I'm inspired by that and I'm encouraged by that. And so once again, co-creating and co-designing with our community of partners and districts all around the nation and, and being best in class and being that, that one organization that people look to that says they're going to be on the cutting edge of what's next. Yeah, that's wonderful, Mike. Well, you know, I'm, I want to congratulate our board. They did an excellent job of hiring you. <laughs> I, um, you know, I've been in this role, president and CEO of Patel for Kids for seven years. Prior to that, I was, you know, as I mentioned earlier, a client for 11. So I have such um, deep admiration and care for Patel for Kids. And I don't know that we could have left it in better hands. So, you know, I'm so excited to see uh, what's ahead for Patel for Kids. Uh, Mike, your ideas and energy and um, your leadership is just what we need today. So I, I will uh, forever be a cheerleader for Patel for Kids, and I will do anything I can to support you moving forward. Um, but I know the future is bright for this organization, and that makes me very, very happy. So thank you, Mike, and just know I stand ready to help in any way. Well, Karen, I appreciate it. Your, your friendship and your mentorship over the years has meant so much to me. And, and I, I, re I remember all the way back to being in a, a little, little conference room, I think, in Scottsdale, Arizona when I first met you and, uh, and I believe that first day I actually got to sit at a table beside you and, and I'm going to, I'm going to be really candid with you when I found out that you're the superintendent of Fairfax, that was just incredibly intimidating. And, uh, and, and I think for the whole morning, I didn't say anything because I was thinking, I don't know if I want to say anything because I really don't want to sound uh, like I have no idea what I'm doing. And, uh, and so I remember that first morning, but you were so amazing in welcoming everyone into the conversation and, and, and I believe you were the advisory chair at the time, uh, but seeing how you brought everyone in and no matter how big your district was, how small your district was, just how you came into that space as a learner and valued everyone in that conversation uh, made me feel comfortable. And uh, we've been friends ever since. And so I'm, I'm just so grateful for who you are. Thank you. Well, well one, one other quick story is we had these, Mike has been, Mike was also on the advisory. Mike, I'm going to tell a story on you. And we have these bylaws that after so many years that 
that member need, go, rolls off and someone else can can join. But when I became president and CEO of Battelle for Kids and you were actually rolling off the board, you had right. kind of your your term had had ended. And I said, you know, those bylaws are our bylaws. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna violate those or change them today because Mike's got to stay on our advisory. And uh, so Mike's been on the advisory for a long time because mm-hmm. he offered so much to the thinking of the group and was such a significant contributor. So you know, I'm glad I did that though because look where we are today. Um, so it was all good. Karen, uh, you know what? What I remember. I was getting ready to leave and uh, and I came back in the room uh, just to you know say goodbye to everyone and because I had a little later flight out and uh, you came up to me and you said, hey, can you stay? We, we, we want you to stay for the advisory and, and we'll figure it all out. If you can stay, you just say yes and we'll, we'll, we'll get you a flight schedule. We'll figure it all out. And, and I remember running out to the hallway and I called my wife and I said, Hey, they're going to let me stay. They're going to let me stay. I get to stay. And, uh, you know, and, you know, and I, I just look back on that. It was just, it was such a, it was such a beautiful moment because I, I really, I did want to be there. I wanted to stay and I wanted to be a part of it. So, uh, so, so thank you for breaking the rules. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great idea. <laughs> and seven <laughs> years later, here we are. So, uh, again, Mike, just so proud and appreciative. Uh, of your uh, leadership and just looking forward to seeing what you'll do. It's going to be fun. Thank you. I, I'm like I said, I'm uh, I'm thrilled. Uh, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm I'm all the things. And so um, all, all my friends out there that may be watching this, I'm, I'm I'm always wanting to get some advice and and learn about what I can do to be better. And so I just take this opportunity to all my friends out there watching this. Uh, you know, help me uh, because it does take all of us. Well, well put. Well, thanks again, Mike. We appreciate you. Thanks for this time. Thank you. Mike Duncan has a proven track record of leadership in the education sector. He was one of the longest serving superintendents in the state of Georgia, having led Pike County Schools for 18 years. Before arriving in Pike, he was a high school principal high school and middle school assistant principal, and a middle school teacher. He earned his doctorate in educational leadership from the University of Georgia in 2004. He has been a member of EdLeader21, the national network of Battelle for Kids, for more than a decade and previously served as the network's advisory vice chair. He joined Battelle for Kids in August of this year and as of October 1st, serves as the organization's president and CEO. The EdSpark podcast with Dr. Karen Garza is a production of Battelle for Kids. Visit bfk.org to learn more about how we are helping to transform education systems nationwide. That's bfk.org.